pretty nice row um, at work that I use for the uh, for those videos that I do. Yeah, and man, that thing can pick up like a fly farting across the street. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, of these particular ones. Just like they were very affordable. Um, nice. And I wanted to buy two because, you know, this is an interview podcast and I, w I want to do a lot of it in person so I could do like yeah. the uh, the song recordings. But yeah. um, oh, yeah, by the I'm way, before we start. So, <laughs> yeah, I I was like freaking out like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to play something live. Like that's kind of the format of the show. Right. Yeah. yeah and exactly. I, I didn't have anything. Um, so I I have a new song that I wrote on acoustic, um, but it's kind of in its skeletal stage. Yeah. So I'll play it. Um, it's got a verse and chorus and bridge and the whole sure. thing. It sounds like a song. Yeah. But it's not uh, the way that I would present it because I, I've, mm -hmm. I hear it as a full band thing. So, yeah. um, I mean, whatever you're comfortable playing, whether no, I'd love you know, one to, I, song or two songs or, yeah, or I wanna, half a song. I, wa I want to do it. Okay. Um, I'll do it, and then uh, if I forgot to send you the file, but I was going to give you the file of the Silver Shocks single. Okay. Um, so, so is it always going to be acoustic? I, I'm trying to do like a tiny desk type oh, type thing right, where, well, it's, where it. it is acoustic. But okay, dude, send me the Silver Shocks one. I'll throw it in there because it, it's a single. That's okay. Good. Okay. We we right. started recording by the way. This is all going in the podcast. Like, <laughs> Great. I like to I like to just ease it in because. <laughs> My my like idea here is like this is just a conversation with with you and me about music. Yes, you know, and yeah. we just covered up some bases there. We talked about okay. microphones, so so we'll officially start the podcast now. This is uh, songwriters therapy. Hello. I'm here with my uh, my friend Sean Miller. Yeah. Um. So Sean, uh, I always open the podcast asking like, why are you here on this podcast? Uh, I am here for the therapy. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, well, we've known each other for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that on my drive home today. I was like, yeah. probably, um, probably over much over 10 years because Easily. I, um, so I went to high school with your brother and your wife. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I, wow. I, I, I don't know if I went to, I think I went to middle college at the same time that Megan okay. was there, but, but I knew her through other friends too, somehow. Well, that's how I know all of you guys. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. It's through my brother going to school with yeah, most of you guys. Yeah, yeah. so I, that's, I feel like I met you at some point during that year of high school when maybe uh, you came to a show that I was playing or just at, at Jitters. Um, but I think I really got to know you maybe like two years after that when uh, you're playing an in-flight magazine yes. um, at Empire Theater and and uh, Blackwater and, and just a different cafes in Stockton. Yeah. That's funny because I was trying to think when the first time I met you was, mm -hmm. and I think you're right. It was um, Team Hate Nelson. Do you remember that Dude, band? Team Hate Nelson. I loved yeah. them. Yeah, I did yeah. too. I um, I had their CD, and I I found it recently uh, when I was cleaning some some mm -hmm. junk in the garage. Um, it still holds up. Yeah, their no, music, it totally it, does. It's good. Yeah, I love going through my old CDs. Like, I didn't get rid of any any CDs like like some people may have. Um, and I'm a huge fan of CDs still. Yeah. Uh, every once in a while, <laughs> I'll go through them and I listen to that CD. Yeah, I have a, a very big collection. Uh, and I this is a this is a big callback right here. Okay. Yeah. And I thought that this was the first time I met you, um, but it was at a Little Jeans 
show. Oh, maybe you came out before I uh, knew who you were. Well, no, Little Jeans was after I knew your brother. Yeah, because yeah. uh, Nate was playing a show, and I, I was not Nate. Nate Ken Jimmy. He had yes, ne- ne- Neptune Massive. Neptune Massive. Nep- Nate Tune Massive, as Mitta <laughs> likes to say. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, are you going to get Mita in here? You have to. Um, I mean, eventually. So, how can um, you have a music podcast yeah. in Stockton and not have Mita? Well, I mean the the concept here is like it's really about singer songwriters. So, That's true. But I mean, I'm I'm trying to become a podcast <laughs> mogul. Okay. So, um, so like I do want to start other shows, and one concept I'll, I'll pitch to the listeners and to you that I want to do is a variety talk show in the in the style of like a late night talk show where oh, that'd be cool. Where I interview someone interesting, because I know a lot of artists and different mm-hmm. interesting people like Mita, yeah. and I think Mita would be great for that show. And then maybe have like either. Um, a musical guest or one of my favorite guests from this podcast mm-hmm. and just take, you know, take a, a clip that we recorded here and repurpose it. And I want to call it the monthly show and okay. just do it once a month. Okay. And uh, that that's just my concept that I'm pitching. Yeah, I like it. I'll listen. <laughs> cool. Um, I think Mido should be like my inaugural guest, you know, like, yeah, like that's like a three hour podcast though. <laughs> For real. The, I mean, the stories that that guy has. Um, yeah, I actually, um, I still play with Mita. I play drums for Novocaine. No way. Yes way. Yeah. We just played a show, the Sacramento noise festival, man. That's awesome. Yeah. It's for nice. those of you listening, you can't see it, but Andrew has a beautiful Gretsch <laughs> drum set in here that we talked about for an easy 20 minutes. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, it's, it's my dream drum set. I finally got it. <laughs> finally got it. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that was the first uh, time I I met you, and I, I have to pay you a compliment. I've n- I haven't been to all of your shows, and I've been to a handful, but mm-hmm. I would say that one was easily the most charming oh. Andrew Hemmons <laughs> show that that I've been to. Oh man, um, thank you. And it, it was interesting because of the setup that you yeah. guys had. It was you on guitar, and then you had a acoustic guitar and my friend justin uh my friend since like first grade uh played piano yeah he i gotta say he looked like he was not enjoying himself okay (laughs) justin is one of those people who just like they're so like i would say he's like one of those geniuses okay that don't seem like they're expressing emotion but is a deep and emotional person. Well, he looked deep in concentration. Yeah, yeah for definitely. Sure. For sure. Well, he's got all those keys, you know, 88 of them at yeah. least. Yeah, he was really going. And then you had the, uh, if I remember right, the drummer from the Lobstrosities. Oh, man. I, did we have a drummer at that show? You did. That's yeah, awesome. He was yeah. really good. Dave, uh, Dave Webster was... Uh, Justin, this is like the Andrew Hemmons interview. Well, yeah, I'm, I haven't seen you in so long. Yeah, that's, that's no, cool. this is fine. But like Dave Webster was Justin's down the street neighbor. It was like, man, it was like the summer after junior year. And we were like riding our bikes, just like, like classic from a movie, sure. summer bike ride, sure. kids growing up. And, uh, and we were riding our bike and he was like jamming on drums and like this 40 year old guy probably jamming on drums yeah. in his garage. <laughs> Yeah. And like Justin was like, we just stopped and listened, and and like he had some other like people playing metal or something, and he's like, hey, you should come listen. And you're like, yeah. yeah, we play music too and all that stuff. And and then like two days later, Justin's like, hey, I went down and talked to to that guy down the street. Like we should have him play drums for us. 
And, and I was like Simple a as that. small high school kid and we never rode bikes again. <laughs> <laughs> no, we probably rode bikes again, but like it was just all about like music and uh, it was an interesting, interesting time and interesting journey. Yeah, no, that, that was a really good show. Um, yeah. And I, I was impressed just because, um, I mean, he was an amazing drummer for sure. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what he's doing now. Is he still? Uh, man, I don't know either. Last, last time I saw him may have been probably eight years ago or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, he was at, uh, he was at Blackwater playing with this band that I still see playing sometimes called the Yellow Dot Project. I, hmm. I don't know anything else about them other than I think I've played a show with them, Okay, but uh, Novocaine was also on that show and Dave sat in for, no uh, oh, you wow. know, yeah. for Novocaine yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think I played bass at that show and it was like one of the most enjoyable Novocaine, I mean, all Novocaine shows are enjoyable, sure. but um, for me, it was nice to to get to jam with him again. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, it, it was just a, a cool show because I was there uh, obviously for Nate. That was before yeah. I had joined that band mm -hmm. and um, <clears throat> then I saw you guys playing and it was just such an I don't want to say awkward because that sounds bad but it, it was kind of a strange pairing to have mm. that guy just he was kind of wailing on the drums oh my gosh yeah and, yeah and you're on acoustic <laughs> yeah singing yeah. these kind of more uh restrained maybe kind of yeah yeah songs. I mean I was like really into like Elliot Smith yeah and, yeah uh, and then that and the guy like that on the piano then. doing yeah. his thing I was like man these guys are so cool yeah it was it was a weird mix we had some great shows and we had some terrible shows and um like just interesting time in my life and it, at the same time uh justin had like this other band with dave uh mm. that where like justin was like a songwriter and that was it was like much more like a pop rock mm. band mm -hmm. called astrid and they were oh man yeah i remember they astrid, were an, yeah like if we were an interesting pairing they were an even more interesting they pairing. were they were strange like they had like uh uh, it was, was his a name lot of Braylon? Bre Braylon. Braylon. Yeah, yeah. Braylon uh -huh. the singer. Beautiful, beautiful singer. Like he's like the, you know, uh just a beautiful specimen because he's so <laughs> interesting and like played water polo and like yeah. he was like into country music, but also pop music. Yeah. And uh and then their bassist, this guy Brad Kazanov, which he's like an amazing like they're all amazing dudes in their own right, but they come from like different like you you think back to high school and you think about the different cliques mm. they were all kind of well justin was a, like a water polo player too but like brad was playing like um he always played uh fretless bass and he was like uh less claypool okay. and he could play like less Claypool. Okay. you know he was that talented too sure. um and so like all these different talents that for no reason other than Justin, like cherry picked these different people uh -huh. that he knew were like so he put good. together a super group. Yeah, basically. he put together the yeah. super group of like unknowns. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know how interesting this is for the people listening, but that's what the podcast is about. Okay, <laughs> all right, but it, the the common thread, uh, if you're noticing, is that you might have a band, but each guy in your band has his own band yeah i outside. feel like that's a stockton thing we we like weave a very tangled web mm -hmm. i think i may have mentioned this in in uh maybe when i was chatting with cheyenne um in the first episode but um i you know i asked her you know what's it like to to co-write in a band because in my experience mm -hmm. if you wrote songs then you formed a band around your songs and then mm -hmm. all of the people that were like my my example is like philbert al attack Low Speed Keepers or, or the old versions of Low Speed Keepers yeah. where 
you know, Daniel was the songwriter of Philbert. And so like Mike played bass in Philbert. Sure. And like I played in Philbert a little bit here or there and right. other people did. And then Mike was the songwriter of Al Attack. And so then You're Daniel Daniel played bass members, and then right. Justin or uh, I'm sorry, uh, Oscar played drums. Yeah, we just rotated who was singing. Yeah. And, and it was a different, it a different and it was band. a different band. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like uh, uh, you know, at least our our core group of like people who kind of like grew up uh, playing music together did that. Yeah, but the nice thing about that is you guys all had a distinct enough style mm -hmm. when you were the the one fronting yeah, the yeah. band that uh, it, you know, it worked. Yeah. I think we, we kind of learned from each other too in, mm -hmm. in the way that like, um, you know, Daniel writes differently than I do. So me trying to learn Daniel songs taught me how to be a better songwriter, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. I, I take a lot of influence from those guys. Um, you know, they're kind of like, uh, they're like, like Daniel, especially like, I feel like they're like younger prodigies where I was like, I just want to play music so bad. Like mm -hmm. I don't work at it. Like I, I have no, like, um, you know, I, I don't want to like, I don't have confidence issues now cause I'm just having fun enjoying myself. And when I mess up, I mess up. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, when I was younger, probably had more confidence issues because there were some times when I just, I was bad at what I was doing because I wasn't practicing as much as sure. maybe other people were, or, or sure. I just didn't have this like natural, uh, ability. And, um, and so when you, when you're like accepted into this circle of people, you really expect, like, I learned so much from them. And I feel like if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel confident now to, to be playing mm. songs or writing songs. And, yeah, you know, that's really I nice. owe them a lot. Yeah. yeah. No, they're, they're all very talented. Um, I think, uh, not to slight anybody mm -hmm. or anybody else's skill, but I always thought that of the group of people in Stockton, Daniel was easily the best. Same. No, I've always like, said like that. heads and shoulders yeah. above anybody else yeah. that yeah. called themselves a songwriter. Songwriter, man, like, um, like the guy can tell a story. Yeah. yeah. He, he can just craft like a perfect pop song mm -hmm. and any way he presents it, if he's just playing alone acoustically or he writes like, you know, mm -hmm. a, a full band song. He's just delivering something that anyone can listen to and enjoy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I I remember listening to to his record, uh, the time if time travel were pro were possible, mm -hmm. um, and uh, that song, sister. Um, it's been a while since I've listened to. I, I have it. Re I, revisit, okay. sister. But um, you know, it just makes the hair on my neck stand up. Like the way he sings it, and the words, and you know, I, there's this common theme in this podcast uh, where I talk about uh, when your audience uh, is listening to your song and they're making it their own thing. It's not mm -hmm. really about what you meant it to be about anymore. Mm -hmm. And and there's a magic in that that I really love. Where Daniel might have been writing about something or the other like mm -hmm. i know daniel personally and i know he doesn't have a sister but mm -hmm. i have a sister that i'm very close with and and yeah. just like hearing the way he sings the the word like sister my sister mm -hmm. um you know and gets emotional about it and like talks about these like familiar uh relationships um i just love that song and i remember telling a friend at the time i was like li like listen to the song and like listen to how important this is to me this is better than the beatles <laughs> <laughs> and and like i'm completely 100 honest yeah about that you know well i i it probably always will be too because of yeah. what it means exactly yeah i think it I, some of it is definitely like me taking it on like sure i i also think that there's a point when 
you're a songwriter or musician where you're not better or worse than anyone else. Mm. And I don't want, I don't mean that in like a depressing way where it's like you've plateaued or anything, but you've just, you've matured into this new state where, mm. where you are, um, you're producing, um, the quality of work that like uh is deserving of an audience or something i don't know how to really well, explain yeah, it, it but it's, it's like it's unique to you yeah you're, exactly you're you found your voice yeah is what i really right, want to say right. and when an artist has found their voice i i don't think any like any band is better than another band like m one of my favorite bands is jets to brazil mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that like one of like you know, another one of my favorite bands or one of Mike's favorite bands, like Cursive or something, is mm -hmm. better or worse than Jets to Brazil. Because right. they're like, they're both kind of play what people would call like emo music or, or Cursive is sometimes screamo or something. But they're very distinct sounds mm -hmm. and one is not better than the other because yeah. they found their voices. One's occupying a space that the other one just couldn't exactly. fill. Yeah. And, and you know, like I, I do agree with you. Like, yeah, Daniel out of everyone in Stockton, at, whether, you know, it's not sliding anyone else who who's like still playing music or used to play music or anything else. Like to me, I, I find him to be like just one of my favorites. Yeah. You know, oh, mine I mean? too. Absolutely. And, um, you know, that's not, that's not really to say that he is better than anyone else or, or well, worse than anyone else. You I know? think he well, might be. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. I, I know. I, I feel like we just made a big circle better than anyone else. I don't care what anyone says. Well, actually, you know, yeah. to be fair. <clears throat> no, it, it's just, it's watching somebody, master their craft yeah. and and practicing and getting really good at at exercising that muscle yeah, yeah um absolutely which you know the whole songwriting thing uh i i do not consider myself a songwriter mm -hmm. um and like i said i'm just here for the therapy i'm not yeah here the <laughs> you're song. not here for the song yeah um <laughs> well but i so for those of you listening that don't know who I am. Um, I was, we, you know, we mentioned before I was yeah. in uh, Neptune massive with my buddy, Nate. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I was in a band before that, that was just kind of a jam funk mm -hmm. band. It was like red hot chili peppers, but with no vocals. Was that like your first band? That was the, the jam band. Uh, so it, there was a group of guys that mm -hmm. were just kind of doing covers and um, they were kind of like a Weezer cover band. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a name. It was just guys that had yeah. instruments and they're all jamming. So then, um, you know, I started playing with them and I, I've never, ever wanted to learn anybody else's songs. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> um, because I just thought like, yeah, that's cool to know at a, like a campfire or yeah. something, but I want to create something that hasn't been made before. Sure. And so that kind of sent me down the path of like just uh, coming up with weird or new stuff on guitar. Mm -hmm. And then I've naturally gravitated toward like um, lead guitar. Yeah. And I had effects pedals and nobody yeah. <laughs> had effects pedals. In, in so that you're band. the lead guitarist. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you default. just naturally <laughs> fall into that. So um, yeah, I just started jamming with them and then, uh, you know, guys kind of break off and mm -hmm. some people aren't really serious with yeah, it or whatever. Yeah. So then we kind of did this funk band. What kind of age were you at at, at that point? Um, I was living at home. So I had to have been 17. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 17, 18. Cool. Um, 
and the first show that mm-hmm. I ever played was at my friend Brianna's uh, graduation party. Oh, cool. And the best thing is when people dance to the music that oh my you're gosh. playing. That, that's what I love about playing bass in a uh-huh. band and actually like to counterpoint your learning other people's songs. Yeah. People want to dance to covers. Dude. Yeah, I know. And like I when, know. You, <laughs> when you learn a cover and people actually dance, like the first time I, I was in a, a cover band and I was playing bass and like people got up and danced to the song. I was like, like, oh man, 10 years of playing emo music. I didn't know this was yeah. possible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and this was like actual uh so we had a saxophone player he he was kind of like the lead singer right okay (laughs) yeah yeah because you didn't have a singer sure yeah so he's you know he's just doing like little melodies over the top of whatever we're doing and um Mm -hmm. it it was just so cool to see people come out and it kind of had like a jazzy vibe to it too Mm -hmm. so people could it wasn't just jumping around yeah yeah they're actually dancing yeah like like people would come out onto the floor with a partner and dance that's awesome yeah it was really cool um and then i i can i pretty much positively identify that night as being like oh i i really want to do this yeah like i want to be in a band and i'm going to play music and i'm going to play in front of people nice um and that just kind of we were called shift that was the, yeah the name oh, that's the, an yeah. awesome name for a uh, <laughs> like a jam party band yeah yeah so we had like um <laughs> we, we went out and got these like cheesy little decal stickers yes, made yes. and then we all had them on the backs of our cars <laughs> I, I feel like i may have seen something you like probably that at yeah some it point. was just it's it like, was a, a red star mm-hmm. with like this uh stencil military that looking. sounds super familiar actually it's like uh you know like I keep saying, because most of our audience is probably from Stockton, mm. and I'm interviewing so many people from Stockton, but uh, there's certain band stickers f- from this area and a little bit of like sure. Sacramento bleed over into our area yeah. that like you see, you would see on a car back then all the time. And I, mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to say Betty Rage. Oh my gosh. And, uh, and wow. Lux. Man, I haven't, <laughs> oh my God. Betty Rage. What a yeah. good band. That, I, that was a great name. Too, such a great band. Uh, punk band um and like later on in life i kind of became friends with some people from that band and um you know i man they they may have done like a few reunion shows that i missed out on and i'm just like so bummed about you know that. you i i think probably everybody thinks this about the time that they were growing up but i i genuinely believe that you and i and daniel and all those people were coming up mm-hmm. in stockton in like another golden age of, oh, yeah. of music. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think Stockton was known more for maybe punk before that. Yeah. And then it, it kind of went into this indie rock mm-hmm. thing. And there were just so many people doing, yeah. doing stuff. So many great bands. Like, I feel like even, I feel like we've lived through a few golden ages now, like not mm-hmm. to date us, um, yeah. but uh <laughs> Of Stockton, and we've been through like some times where there's like no venue to play at and and no shows happening. Yeah, but I feel like through it all, like there's still been there's still been like a group of bands that I've always been able to go like, oh, they're a band. They're mm-hmm. currently yeah. practicing at least. Yeah, and they're my friends, and they're great. Right. You right. know, and and looking back on that, even though in, in the moment I was like, oh, there's nowhere to play. You know, Mid is not booking anything. Yeah. You know, that's such like a positive thing to see that like you mm. know, man, uh, like. I started playing shows uh, 14 or 15 years ago-ish. 
and i still play at least you know one or two shows a year yeah you know that's cool um i miss it i miss yeah. it terribly yeah i i feel like we've had discussions uh of you like sitting in with those beekeepers and you should you I've should come do that close. at some point if I've you come want. very You're, close dude, in fact always my, welcome my, i would love to mike um shared the tab with me of uh of our all of our songs the ones that, yeah oh, it's cool. like a, a a file that's yeah gonna be. yeah that's crazy. Yeah, like what I, band does that? That's dude, amazing. That's you you have basically built into your band mm -hmm. a way for any any yeah. session player to come in and and just jam. Yeah. Well, I mean the thing is like I kind of did it for myself after we recorded I did that um because, you know, uh the core of of this band for the past 10 years because we've we've had other names too, but it's mm -hmm. just been mostly me, Oscar and uh and Mike. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's always been someone who might sit in on bass or guitar, sure. re depending on what, uh, Mike feels like playing at the time. And both me and Mike kind of switch off when it comes to recording as mm. like on the last album, he did all of the bass oh, okay. and I did half of the lead guitar, which was like a first for me. Okay. Um, and, uh, and then on the first album, he did all of the lead guitar and then we switched off on bass. So we kind of like yeah. have this thing, but I, I realized that you know, maybe sometimes Josiah might sit in when, with us or um, our bass player now, um, Brandon, you know, uh, he had to learn the songs at some point. Mm. And uh, another of our friends uh, played like third guitar for us at one point. Okay. And I just realized like, you know, I should document these first of all. So, um, you know, 10 years from now, I, I won't forget. Yeah, because there's it, some very songs, responsible. Yeah, there's some <laughs> songs now that I I forget, even if I have a recording, I'm trying to listen to it and I'm playing along to it. And I'm like, what chord did I oh, play I, right there? I can't, like, I, I can't play any of my old songs at all. Yeah, I have no idea yeah. what they are. It's so, it's so hard when you're, when you are a songwriter and, and I think part of the key of being a songwriter is practicing writing. Mm -hmm. And so you practice, a, you write a song and then move on to the next one. And then, and then you do that a hundred times mm -hmm. and maybe you, you threw out like a hundred bad songs, but maybe there was a good one in there you forgot about. Mm -hmm. And I do this thing sometimes where I'm like, I'll find like a, a folder that has like three demos that I don't even remember writing. And I listen to it and I'm like, man, this is kind of a good start to a song. Mm -hmm. I wish I knew how to play that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've had, uh, so so the, the band that mm -hmm. came out of Shift yeah. uh, was called In Flight Magazine, which yeah. was, was named by my mom nice. because my brother who's the bass player, um, mm -hmm. who's also named is Andrew. Yeah. He, uh, one of my favorite bass players, by the way, like he's, he's a prodigy. He's, he is crazy good. Yeah. He's crazy yeah. good. And the funny thing is, is he's, um, he's five years younger than I am. And at that time, obviously our friends were different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we weren't hanging out with each other socially, but he was always around cause he's cool. You yeah. Know? And he just kind of gravitated toward the bass and he just started like He's working out these things. It's just yeah. relaxed and funky and thick. Yeah. I'll say he's a true bass player. I'm true. Yes. Like as someone who I consider myself a bass player and I probably picked up things from him because I wasn't a bass player when I saw you guys play mm -hmm. that I was like, you could do that on the bass. Oh yeah. And I, and I, you know, I'm very, I'm most critical of bass players now. And you, man, I remember one time going to a ton of shows out in, in the Bay Area when I was living out there. And I was so bummed because I'd see these bands that I really liked. Maybe they were on smaller kind of like emo pop bands on tour. 
I was just so bummed because I was like, man, I've been to like five shows and I haven't seen one bass player at any of these shows huh. because they're just boring sure. bass players that like, you know, that's like no offense to them or anyone who does this, but you know, that's a guitar player. I was just about to say, you know, I was, that's, a, that's guitar a guitarist that, that is that put is on like, bass. He had to play bass yeah. because no one else could, right. no one else would, right. you know, or, right. you know, and he's definitely talented enough that they're, they're on time and maybe they're even playing a few little like fun licks. But sure. dude, when you see a true bass player, yeah. It's magic and you it feel it. And it it's is. one of my favorite things to see live. Yeah. And and you know Well that that's how that's how we started that band mm-hmm. because um Rob, who was the drummer uh for Shift mm-hmm. and then in Flight magazine, um we just kind of I, I think it was like maybe everybody else had gone home and mm-hmm. Rob was still hanging around. Yeah. And then Andrew picked up the <laughs> bass and then we all just started noodling around and nice. we're like, oh, this this kind of works. This actually sounds a little better. <laughs> um, but my mom named the band because Andrew and I couldn't couldn't really decide on anything. It's a great and name. I liked it. I, yeah, I really liked it too. So yeah, that that was kind of how that started. Um, mm-hmm. But like I said earlier, I don't consider myself a songwriter. But with In Flight Magazine, I was the singer, mm-hmm. and it's it was out of pure necessity. It was like, we want to play a show, but yeah. we don't want to be an instrumental mm-hmm. band. And Andrew was just like, well, I can't sing. I'm playing bass. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, got a job. yeah, exactly. And, and he was, you know, he had already got that excuse first. So it's yeah. not like I could say, well, I can't. And I, I don't consider myself a singer either. But yeah. Rob was just like, just do it. Yeah. And that's kind of how that that band was was born. Yeah. I feel like like you you tripped and fell into a pile of gold. With those two guys, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, no, also like singing. Like I, I know you, you know, <laughs> you might might uh, feel like, oh, I'm not a songwriter. Well, I'm we'll not see a what happens tonight no. when I sing. I feel like every time, <laughs> every time, uh, every time I get together with you, I feel like, uh, you know, you and I um, have been friends for a very long time. But yeah. we all, we're also, I feel like we're the type of friends that we can go like three years without seeing each other and Just pick up and pick up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, and I feel like. Every time I see you and music is involved, you're like, um, oh, yeah, I'm not doing too great right now. <laughs> and and then you just like sing like an angel. And like I, I remember at, at one that's point, true. <laughs> at one point, uh, you came over to my house and we co- recorded a couple of songs. And yeah, that's right. Songs. Yeah, yeah, know? that's right. Um, so that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> it well, you should have heard. And I think if I can find them, mm-hmm. and if you have a cassette player. We have like the earliest, earliest in-flight magazine recordings. Did you record straight to a cassette? Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Heck, yeah. We had like this janky little um, uh, four-track. Yeah, like like the the green Tascam or the silver Tascam? I have the red one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was plastic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the plastic. I feel like they came in different colors. Yeah, Yeah. and we just recorded every single practice. Oh, and man. then we would listen to it in the car. We would like go. Eat. That's what people do with phones nowadays. You yeah. Know? But, but I mean, no one was that responsible back then. No. Except for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, it it sounds really self-obsessed mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah. But in order to like create something mm-hmm. that has parts and yeah. things that look good, because like, like we said earlier, you're, you're going to forget. Yeah. I mean, that's it's just a tool a tool for practice. Like I don't like, I love listening to demos of things that I'm working on um, because I like analyzing it or, or when we've gone to studios and, um, and record our albums, like mm. I'll, I'm like, you know, print, print out the drum track with the scratch guitar. Cause I'm going to listen to yeah. it and I'm going to go like, 
damn, like, yeah. I, I think we need an extra measure in here. Yeah. Like, hey, hey, Ben, the guy who has been recording us uh, or, you know, recorded us in the past. I'm like, hey, uh, can you copy and paste something right here? Because I think <laughs> I need to add a guitar lick. There. Sure. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just that, like, being your biggest fan or, or being, obs- uh, not even being your biggest fan, being obsessed with what you're working on produces, like, great, a great mm-hmm. final product. Yeah, it it honed our sound and like what we were doing. And when you're starting out being a, a quote unquote songwriter, yeah, especially early on, you wear all of your influences yeah. on your sleeves. Yeah. Right. So that was, that was eventually what kind of drove Andrew and I apart is mm-hmm. that I would continue to be like, Oh, this sounds like Kings of Leon, or this mm-hmm. sounds like Interpol, or this sounds like Radiohead. Yeah. Um, and he just hated that. It was like, oh, like who cares? Yeah, let's just yeah. play. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, do you think he he disliked that because he wanted to sound like like something original, or didn't like those influences? No, I mean we we all we all listened mm-hmm. to the same stuff. Um, yeah. But I think it was just tiresome. Yeah. Just to hear it. You know? Yeah. Um, and he. It's funny you mentioned confidence. Mm-hmm. I think Andrew has always been more confident mm-hmm. or has at least been able to fake it yeah. better. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just he's just got this like natural, laid back, chill vibe. Yeah. He's got a grace to him. He does. Yeah. He really does. And it came through in his in his playing. Mm-hmm. And um I think that was probably what was most irritating like Mm -hmm. with the influences especially toward the end trying to sound like this or that yeah um but uh yeah that that band was really fun and Mm -hmm. as far as songwriting that truly was a collaborative yeah process because we were only a three-piece band Mm -hmm. and what happened with us is we were still all kind of learning and getting mm. better yeah so when you're in a three-piece you're o- you're kind of overcompensating for where that other rhythm sure would be yeah whether yeah. it be synth or mm-hmm. another guitar and what i would do is just turn the bass all the way up on on that amp right there yeah and mm-hmm. uh and have a delay and a, mm-hmm. a really big lush reverb to fill up yeah as much space as i could and mm-hmm. then andrew would have a distorted um you know, he'd have an overdrive yeah. on his bass. Yeah, yeah. I always loved it. He had the, a huge yeah. rig too. I don't yeah. know if you remember that. Uh, did he have an like an eight ten? He had so he had a, a, fif- a fifteen on the bottom. A fifteen and a four ten? Four tens Ooh, on man. top and it was an Ampeg. Ampeg, head. yeah. Did he have like the SVT, the tube one? No, it wasn't no. the tube one. Oh. No, but it but was a hundred watts of man. just solid state, just ridiculous. I feel so like so loud. I feel like maybe you guys were the first young band, younger, like in my age range, because, mm. you know, um, I feel like Andrew, when I saw you guys play in that band was like between the ages of like 18 and maybe 20, sure. that span of two yeah, years, yeah. Mm. Uh, to have like, number one, just good equipment all around, but like right. a <laughs> right. bass player with like a real rig, you know, yeah. like we were all, all of our other bands were like, you know. Got the bass, amps, the bass right? player was playing through some, you know, uh, straight through the PA, maybe like a PA speaker uh-huh. or something like that. Like not until like a couple of years later when like me and Daniel both got like these Gallon Kruger rigs because yeah. we were both playing bass in different in different projects. And uh, there'd be times where we'd play shows um, when Daniel and I lived together. 
where we would like we would take his 410 and stack it on my 410 and use his like gallon kruger like 700 and it sounded sounded awesome oh to yeah us, but like but like the Blackwater Cafe, which is like probably the size of the bedroom that we're <laughs> yeah, recording in, right. does not need oh, that but much man, space. It's but man, so great when fun. you get it in there. It was so fun, <laughs> especially when you're playing with a, a band that has like guitar players that have like you know a twin fully tube mm. amp, and they're super loud. And your drummer is just like yeah. We played with some t- solid drummers back then. It, I just remember creating that wall of sound that had no business being in that small room, but was beautiful. Yeah, that's that was like the most fun that we had. Mm-hmm. It was maybe not being able um, to play all that well or being like technically that yeah. good, but you compensate by just being really loud. Wow, yeah, <laughs> and so it's fun. It, it is really fun, and people respond to it. Yeah, and, you know that's that's how a lot of our songs were written. Was just, um, just jamming. Yeah, and that's that's how I still come up with stuff. It's mm-hmm. um. I write to a loop. Yeah. So it'll be um, the the thing that I'm working on now called Silver Shocks, which was named by my middle son. He came <laughs> you up. You just with always that. have a family member name your band, so you yeah, don't have to worry I, about right, it. Right. It just takes the pressure off. And I thought it was a good name. Yeah, he, I like that he too. Like, he was like, Dad, um, you know, if I'm ever in a band, you know, I, I think I'll call it the Silver Shocks. And then one day, I I was like, Hey, um, you know, I wrote a new song. And he knew what I was going to ask before I even asked it. And it was the most precious thing ever. I was like, hey, um, would you mind if I called? And he goes, yes, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's yours. I was like, oh, wonderful. I was like, so I can use that? And he's like, yeah. And, uh, you know, we spoke earlier about Mm -hmm. how he wants to play drums. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'll buy you a drum set. You can be the drummer for Silver Shocks. Man, that would be awesome. Yeah. And he... He actually has rhythm because I mm-hmm. put him to the test. I was like, okay, if he wants to play drums, I'm gonna go buy him an egg shaker Ooh, and see okay. and see if he, yeah. you know, is like, whatever, this sucks. <laughs> but he he'll do it. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll sit there with acoustic and he'll mm-hmm. shake the thing on time and yeah. So you know, uh, right now it's all done. I do it in Logic, so mm-hmm. the, the it's a virtual drummer. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I still write the same way where mm-hmm. it's um, usually an effect to give some sort of ambience or weird kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And then I'll come up with something to go over the top of that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So when you're in in-flight magazine, you guys were writing together and jamming through stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it came to like time to generate the words to be sung, was that Ugh. something you took on or, or did you guys share, share that duty as well? Um, no, it was almost always me. Yeah. But um, Rob, Rob would would come up with stuff. He would he was not shy about telling you if something just didn't work. Yeah, and he'd be like, you know, you could say that better. Yeah, that, that that's interesting, dumb. especially at like a young age. It's hard to take critique as a songwriter when yeah. maybe we probably should have. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, how was that experience? Like, you know, back then taking that critique from your bandmate. Uh, I I never got upset. That's awesome for that. Yeah, it. So it was actually them maybe being more upset at me because mm-hmm. I like Andrew would never play um quarter notes or eighth notes. Yeah. Like just I, I just we were a rock band. So yeah. I was like, just when we hit the chorus, I want you to go dun 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 dun. You know, yeah. I just want that that driving bass. Would and he like get too like, funky? Okay. You know? 
I feel which like is fine. <laughs> maybe that influenced me because I feel like I got the same feedback from a uh, a singer that I played with uh, when I was younger, and it was like maybe just play it straight here, maybe just play it straight. Right, right. And I was like, no, nah, I gotta, I want to be funky yeah. with it. But then I, I feel like the maturity came as as a bass player and someone who writes like bass lines. Yeah. When I when I learned or figured out the the right time to play it straight and do yeah. those like eighth yeah. notes and when to be funky. Yeah, the the song that we wrote, it was the last song we wrote together as a band and it was called Ready Set Delete. And I don't I remember that song. Okay. I don't remember how it goes. I just remember the title. Yeah, that we we played it live one time um at a show where we we should not have played that show. We were just completely outclassed at that oh, show. Oh man. Uh, I, I feel like you have a different perspective of in-flight magazine well, than I do. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I don't know if you remember this, but it, we were uh we played a show at the Empire and yeah. Mida insisted that we played last because we were the home You're the home band. band. And and Mida always had a lot of confidence in you guys drawing because you drew we, more than we a did. lot of other local bands. We have a lot of people. Uh, that was largely due in part to our friend Danny, who started playing keyboards yeah. in the band. Yeah, um, I remember. And, yeah. and he we, was in another popular band, right? He was. He yeah. had a very big following, and we just kind of naturally fell into that. So yeah. we started playing um, in a band called Polari, which was from the mm -hmm. Bay Area. And they played like Depeche Mode kind of yeah. sounding stuff. Um, but anyway... There was two bands on tour that were coming through Stockton. And, I remember and the show. Mida insisted that we play last. Yeah. He was like, everybody's going to leave after you're done. And I was like, you don't understand. We have like four, maybe five songs. And these guys are playing a full set. We mm -hmm. can't close with like five songs. <laughs> and that that opening band just rocked unbelievably hard. It was, was they were that the Mon show? Frere. Uh, yeah. Okay. Was that the band where um, there were two brothers in the band and like one of them was playing piano there, it, uh, at some a, point a, and had he had like an AC30. I remember just like the gear that that band had. The, the opening band was a, a girl mm -hmm. and uh, she had kind of like strong Karen O vibes going. And then mm -hmm. it was a guitar, the girl on keyboard and then a, a drummer. And they were so heavy. They were yeah. so good. Um, and mm -hmm. I just was like this this is it. We're, yeah. we're dead. Like, I can't believe this is happening right now. Dude, after we end this podcast, if I still have uh, some time before I have to like do my work thing, um, I have a box somewhere that has flyers. And I think one of them says in flight magazine oh, at wow. the Empire okay, Theater. Cool. And I want, I don't think it's, I don't think it's for that show. I think it's for a different show. We um, played two shows there. Yeah. Um, man. Uh, I'm trying to think of the both bands were on tour on that one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, man. I I do remember Montreux. Yeah. And man, they were I do so remember good. Them being really good. But um, yeah. With with Ready Set Delete, that was um. That was a collaborative thing mm -hmm. where everything just came together. Like the words had meaning to it because I was kind of not in a good spot, and yeah. then um, Andrew was just playing it's it's the best song he's his bass playing it's yeah. just really good on that song yeah some sometimes the best songs come from like that area of like um not i don't want to say just not being in a good place but uh you know pain you mm -hmm. know yeah or or some sort of like deep emotional anguish yeah it, it's funny um because my wife megan mm -hmm. um she 
will noodle around on the guitar. And yeah. she just had a, a really uh, stressful work week where she was traveling, traveling a lot. Yeah. And she said that she went in and picked up the acoustic and just started mm-hmm. playing. And she wasn't getting relief from anything else. Yeah. It was just playing and hearing the notes. And yeah. she's, I, I think she said she was singing too. Yeah. And it was just such a, a stress relief mm-hmm. for her. She was yeah. able to decompress. And it's it's true. Music has that, that power. Yeah. And I think that's the core of this podcast. Hmm. Excuse me. Um, is uh, whatever, however you're feeling in life, um, that anguish or, or stress or heavy feelings, the ability to sit down at a guitar and release it through like, uh, like making sounds with like your voice and like mm-hmm. strumming and mm-hmm. um, or whatever instrument you're playing mm-hmm. really is is so powerful and mm-hmm. and that's like the core of what I want to get to is you know like um, what what in music does that to you and like what are your experiences with that and like what songs have done that for you? That's good. I mean, question. you don't have to answer any of those questions. No, no, right no. Now, I, but you know, I, th- th- I mean, I'm there's so saying, many. Yeah, there, exactly, there's so yeah. many. Um, so recently um well now now i I have a job that allows me uh to work from home a lot but it's also a well-paying job so i can i can afford some of the gear that i've wanted yeah (laughs) that i I could never afford i I feel like uh, like one question you asked me earlier like when you first got here was like oh man how's it feel to be in your 30s and i'm like yeah yeah it feels great and like that's one of the things is like um you know i'm at a point in my life where, you know, I'm, I'm very, very similar position to you out of like everyone that I I've interviewed or will interview probably yeah. is like, we have almost the same, mm-hmm. same job at mm-hmm. almost the same type of company that right. very lets similar us work setup. from home, like similar salaries probably where we yeah. could like, you know, I'm able, I'm, we're privileged really to right. be able to play the music that we want to play, that we wanted to play since we're 18 and like make it's, this it's podcast, funny though, because the trade-off and, and it's a little yeah. different because I have three kids. Um, yeah the trade-off is now I don't have the time. Yeah. No, I'm the same way. Like making time for this podcast is, is hard. Like I, I was supposed to record with someone last week and I had an awful day at work because Mm. of a lot of stuff. And, and I, you know, I'm commuting some days and I, you know, I got home and I just, I had a message him. I was like, Hey, I'm just not feeling well, you know, like emotionally and physically. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, and I haven't been able to reschedule with him. Um, but even when you're working from home, I don't think a lot of people realize like how draining it can be. Oh, and yeah. when you have, when you have kids in the mix, like, uh, you know, we have, um, Kaylin, Melanie's daughter lives with us and, and it's just like, sure. I have this beautiful drum set that's set up, but like, you know, last time I played it, <laughs> yeah, it gets right. pretty dusty. And like, I have the guitars, they're always here. They're right next to the desk where I work. I yeah. work right here. And I, man, sometimes I'll go two weeks without picking up an instrument. Yeah. And, um, and you know, when you finally do and you do have that release, it, it does feel good, but you know, that is the trade-off. Like you yeah. said, being, yeah. well, being older. It is, it is nice. Um, I, I guess my point to that mm-hmm. is, um, I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it because, you know, nicer gear is just yeah. nicer gear. Yeah. Um, but, uh, as far as the release goes, really, you know, one of my favorite guitars that I ever had was this really, really beat up. Um, it was an Eterna. 
I don't Sounds know if you've even familiar. heard I think of that. Maybe band. you've told me about. That. I mean, it was held together mm-hmm. with uh, painter's tape. Oh man! But it sound it had such a rich. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was kind of a dull sound, but it, yeah. it had like this warmth to it, mm-hmm. and just the the act of playing that and and feeling the vibration. Yeah, and um, you know, the gear is inconsequential. I mean, yeah, I, I, it's just a different. Yeah, tool. gear comes and goes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the the simple act of playing uh, yeah. and and trying to create and come up with something is is really really therapeutic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what was the, there was another part of that question? The... I, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> we just go on tangents about songwriting and and um, yeah, hopefully I, people enjoy it. <laughs> I um, but I I did like if so if any of your listeners are are not like a singer songwriter but are in a band you are as much of a songwriter when you're contributing oh yeah in the band so like yeah. when i was in neptune massive uh they were a three piece until mm-hmm. i came in yeah and you know you find little places that you can enhance what's going on yeah where you play off the bass player you play off the singer and you try not to step on each other's space you know so then you're all collectively whether or not you put the words there yeah or came up with the chord progression you're collectively building this thing together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I just want to say like playing in, in those beekeepers is such a, um, amazing experience for me, like playing with Oscar and Mike and, and Brandon, um, because, you know, I write songs that I can sing at home or I could even sit down at, at like, I could sit down at my computer and record all the parts. Like I can play drums. I can Mm. play bass. I can play lead guitar. Mm. But and I've done that, and then I've played those songs with these guys, and they put their spin on it. And I'm like, yeah, man, I you like never come this, up with that, right? You know, this the unit of like me, Mike, and Oscar, and and Brandon, like making a song together is like no other thing I've experienced, and that's I feel like that's actually my true mm-hmm. voice is it includes them, um, and you know, like something like people don't give drums enough credit and song oh, no. in songwriting, yeah. and when you get a good drummer that can write. For your songs and understand you when you're like no no like it's kick it to yeah yeah and it's not yeah. like not bippity bop 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 right 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 um, <laughs> and they understand what you mean like oh my well like, they're they're you know in a lot of ways they're like the conductor yeah you know they're yeah. they're um they have so much control over the energy yeah that the listener is getting yes and, yeah. and they especially in a live setting mm-hmm. the drummer absolutely controls the energy of the yeah. show yeah hands down it's your rhythm section and i don't care if you're a shred master <laughs> you will not get people bobbing their head mm-hmm. unless your drummer is locked in and and, and tight yeah it, that's yeah. just how it is yeah yeah i mean i i, I feel like in every pro- podcast that i do i'm gonna have to like praise oscar um i haven't said this like in in a public forum yet but i was listening like we about two years ago, we made this album called Total Bummer, mm-hmm. and uh, it's you know my favorite thing that I've made, and like uh, you know I'm super proud of pretty much everything on it, even the stuff that I'm tired of playing sometimes. Sure, um, but I was listening to some songs on it, on a vinyl test pressing. Oh, yeah, because I very we cool. finally got to the point where we went. I heard about this. So I, I didn't yeah. know if I was allowed to bring it up. Yeah, I'm I'm bringing it up now because like you know the however many people listen to this sure. they get to know but um you know we're happy with it and so we're we'll, we'll get the rest of them but 
my first comment, I sat down and I was listening to it when it got there. And I, I was like, I had to go to work, but I was like, I'm going to listen to one song because it got here at like 8 a.m. in the morning. Mm. And um, and I was like, oh, my God, like Oscar is such a good drummer. Yeah, he, he and, is. and I say that to myself all the time when I listen to him play or listen to the recordings. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever met him personally, <laughs> but um, I've, I've seen enough of his uh, performances yeah. with like Filbert. And yeah, I, I I remember commenting to Megan not too long ago. We were watching old Filbert um, mm-hmm. performances, and I was like, "Man, Oscar's like he's super solid. That yeah. guy knows yeah. what he's doing." Yeah, I mean, I I feel like um, a funny thing, kind of sidetracked from that thought, is uh, in in our like Stockton scene and group of people, mm-hmm. there's always these people that you probably know for years but have never met. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, right. and a lot of it has to do with like you know you have so many of the same close friends, but you've never met for one reason or another, haven't been at the same show, or maybe you have and you sure. just didn't realize it. Um, but then also the like the fact that we're all we're all in our own life journey and we're all like starting our own families and like mm-hmm. doing our own career things or or you know caught up in traveling or whatever it is that people do that distracts them from uh you know checking in with their social group or mm-hmm. you know just get leaving the house yeah. even you know like our own like emotional demons that might keep us at home like yeah. i have that sometimes i'm like uh, i have tickets to this concert but i'm actually not going to go because <laughs> right. today was a day um, but it's funny that, you know, you can know someone for so long without ever meeting them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the case with Oscar. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, uh, about getting older and being in your thirties and starting families and stuff that <clears throat> when I started the, um, silver shocks thing, mm-hmm. I was actually right about to get rid of all of my equipment. I was I like, feel like, we've all done that at some point. We're like, yeah. sell it all. I'm like, it's it's all going. I'm yeah. never going to do this. It's never going to go anywhere. And uh, Megan was like, you you can't do that because yeah. I know you're going to rebuy it and oh it's going to be bad financially for our family. But yeah. she was like, you love it too much. Yeah. And you'll regret it. Yeah. She's um, she's amazing, by the way. She is. She's very, very smart. She's, yeah. She's beautiful. But uh, yeah, she saved me a lot of mm-hmm. money. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's the truth though. Like in, like any instrument that I not any instrument I've sold instruments that I don't care about. But there's always a few of those things that you've sold that oh, you're yeah. like, oh my god, I can't believe I sold that one because I needed like my car needed new tires yeah. or something like yeah. that. And, yeah, and I couldn't oh, pay rent. Man. Yeah, exactly. There's yeah. Oh, man, I've sold some things that I regret. Yeah, um, no, I I, and, I know. And maybe you like end up. Re- rebuying the same one or one similar to it because yeah. you can and if you sell everything you are going to rebuy ev- almost everything yeah you know? just, uh, well i i love I, I just love guitars yeah i love them i yeah. love the way they look i love the way they feel and i feel like within our circle of friends mm-hmm. everybody in all of the bands that we've mentioned at some point has had a guitar worked on by me yeah probably yeah <laughs> yeah or owned a guitar that you've built built and yeah right i, I right. just want to say that like i think a lot of us are gearheads and a lot of yeah. it has been inspired and influenced by you or oh, like that's it, like high, that's high praise i remember like when we were younger just like chatting with you about guitars and you telling me all these cool stuff about fender guitars and like being like yeah. oh if you ever get the chance like fender japan like trust me it, it, yeah you know it's true and <laughs> i've never had a japanese fender 
Um, That's why I regret selling. Know. I had a Japanese Fender Tele. Yeah, I remember it. I remember you showing me the stamp on the mm-hmm. back and everything. And I was like, oh, man, it's so cool. And I was like, Sean says that. So I'd like, <laughs> you know, look on eBay back when eBay was where you would look for things. Yeah, well, I, I am just I mean, I, I love music and I've loved it mm-hmm. from an early age. Yeah. But I love guitar. Yeah. And it, um, you know, I've always been drawn to it. Do you have like a guitar wow moment? Like, what, like, why did I, you know, this is like late in the podcast, but no, we've sure. had such a great conversation. But like, when was the first time that you were like, I'm going to play guitar or you had one thrust upon you and you're like, I guess I'll play. It's like, what's your guitar story? Uh, so I remember expressing to my parents that I wanted to play guitar. Mm-hmm. And it was after seeing... Um, the timeline gets a little foggy, yeah. but it, it's Lenny Kravitz inspired oh, the guitar. <laughs> I'm so glad I asked that question. Mike's going to love yeah, that. Lenny, oh, Lenny Kravitz, I have to give, uh, you know. Dude, it, we, we can erase it and you can say Tom York. It's no, like, no, man. I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to own it, it because I, I that. so I have a friend. Now, Nate will try and take credit mm-hmm. and, and a, a lot of credit does go to Nate. He introduced yeah. me to a lot of really good music, mm-hmm. but I have a friend uh, named Jesse and he introduced me to uh, Lenny Kravitz and Radiohead at mm-hmm. the same time. I feel like back back when we were younger and those bands were releasing new music mm-hmm. before there was a two in front of the years. Right. It was okay to listen to both like Radiohead and Lenny Kravitz. But now if you're like, I'm a radio fan, people are like, cool. I'm a Lenny Kravitz fan. Yeah, yeah. You get the right. weirdest look. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean... That has to do, I think, with a lot of like the just indie music snobbery yeah, that, yeah. that like grew, grew out of Pitchfork. Or... <laughs> of course, yeah. But hearing "Are You Gonna Go My Way," Dude. that riff, yeah, very few songs rock as hard as yeah. that one, in my opinion. Yeah. It, that is just such an incredibly catchy and just it drives all the yeah. way through. It's such a good song. Yeah, and that, I, I saw him live. That's awesome, and that that blew me away. I think I was. Mm-hmm. 15. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Is that you saw him live after you started playing guitar too? Or no, I I knew I was like, that's that's it for me. Yeah. Like, and that's when you're like, mom, dad, <laughs> go down to music box or yeah. That, well, the, I mean, it's so long ago. Yeah, like yeah. the so the timeline is is, is fuzzy, but mm-hmm. the the aunt that took me to that show, her son gave me a um a vintage harmony acoustic from the late 50s maybe early 60s was it a a round sound hole or the arch no it was the arch top oh wow yeah that's Um, that's a guitar i wish i still had um but the thing with that is it had like this baseball bat neck Mm -hmm. and when you're starting on guitar it's nearly impossible yeah um so i ended up getting rid of that for believe it or not a fender squire affinity strat Oh, like, like the, the worst, worst trade. Wire. Yeah, the, the worst, worst at oh the time. Gosh. Not now. The affinities are pretty good. Oh, but, really? But, but um, yeah, back then, like, yeah. I got taken for a Yeah, ride. those old Squires. I have a Squire now that is just as good as, like, um, a Mexican Fender. Yeah, that's yeah. my main guitar right now is a Squire yeah. um, classic vibe. Yeah, that's I have a classic vibe as and well. And it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've completely tricked it out. Yeah, like, yeah. like, like, like I you do. do. Yeah, I've, I've totally tricked it out. But, um. Anyway, we're getting off topic. No, yeah, it's all on topic. Um, Lenny Kravitz, and then Jesse showing me um, mm-hmm. 
Radiohead, uh, the OK Computer. They, it mm-hmm. was some performance, and I was not familiar with what a guitar pedal was. Yeah. And Johnny Greenwood was like just freaking out on stage, and he's mm-hmm. got all these pedals in front of him, and I'd never heard a guitar sound anything like that before. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this this is crazy. Like it, it's it became more than just a means for like rocking out. Mm-hmm. It was like, wow, I can really create something that nobody's ever heard before. Yeah. And I, I think we're kind of, you know, exiting that era because everybody now that the the barrier to entry for these types of pedals is kind of low. Yeah. Yeah. Um so a lot of people can come up with really crazy stuff. But that yeah. was a big turning point for me. That's awesome. That. Yeah. Yeah. Link yeah. Kravitz, though, man. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great story. Uh, um, I think you're probably one of the earlier people that I've seen locally that like knew how to play guitar pedals. Like mm-hmm. some people, like everyone had a stomp box, you know, we had like a, a fuzz pedal yeah. or a delay or something. Um, I know like Daniel and Caleb, they were good. Mm-hmm. They were, they were good with it too. And I might be confusing you with someone else, but I feel like you may have been one of like the first people I saw locally with like a line. Did you have like a line six, the, the like famous, like delay, the, with, the green the one, knob, the no, green that's one. the one I always wanted. You, oh, okay. You're, you're not wrong though. Nate had that. Nate. Okay. Nate I had like, that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I ended up getting the boss. Uh, it was like the, the space echo, the double yeah. pedal. Yeah, they, yeah. They, it came out like right on the heels mm. of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know how interesting this is to people, but that like at that time, yeah, that was amazing because mm-hmm. it was like new technology, yeah, basically. Um, yeah. So yeah, you you kind of have to treat pedals as if they're their own instrument. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I said like you're one of the earlier people that I saw play pedals. Yeah. You know? Well, oh, oh, in a way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I I did have for a very short time. I did have that Line Six um, because they made companions to that yeah it was the modulation mm-hmm. one okay and oh yeah yeah it was like made different sounds that had was like the... bonkers that yeah. thing was like i i was way over my head with that <laughs> thing i should never have bought that yeah um but i think for anybody listening to this who's wanting to, to be a songwriter i think that that would be the goal right we hope yeah. that somebody listens to this and yeah, is inspired yeah. to pick yeah up the definitely yeah and it, you really have to like sit there and just be really bad yeah for a while i mean that's i i say that with songwriting that's why i say songwriting is a practice and write a hundred bad songs Mm. and throw them away yeah and then write you know then really (laughs) and then give up yeah no 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 (laughs) no it's it's don't give up you know it's like uh i feel like everyone who writes songs you know lyrics and music you know to as as a as a pair has a bunch of things that they've written before they get good Mm -hmm. and as they continue to write you know Mm -hmm. like i'm for whatever our next album will be, whatever we're going to do in Los Beekeepers, I have a bunch of songs that are done or half started or uh, never going to be played again mm. because you know I had to go through that process mm-hmm. of writing something mm-hmm. and and selecting the better the yeah. better you know one out yeah. of that. Yeah, there, it, it there is really like no true waste of time when it yeah. comes to that sort of creative pursuit because yeah. you're even if it is a mistake, yeah, you know not to do that again. Yeah. Or yeah. or you found some setting that's just completely unusable mm-hmm. and we won't do that. Yeah. I mean uh, it, it's always about 
perseverance and experimentation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and fortunately for me, being a lead guitarist in the, the early bands that I was in, it allowed me the opportunity to experiment yeah. because, you know, there was just so much learning mm-hmm. and everybody was so focused on learning chords. Yeah. And I was just obsessed with scales. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to like shred. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it's just, it's interesting uh, following a path. And I, I think that is what you should do is whatever you're being pulled toward mm-hmm. in, in a musical way, yeah. just follow that because that's probably going to yield the best results mm-hmm. as far as like something authentic. Yeah. And that was, and still is the hardest thing for me. Um, and that, you know, I, I think the most important part about the songwriting stuff for me now is being authentic mm-hmm. and trying to write something that is meaningful. Um, yeah. but also not sad because yeah. I'm, I'm not sad. Well, I mean, I think sad is kind of a relative thing. And, th- and that's why one of the things that I, I like to touch on is like that we're as songwriters and as listeners, so much more attracted to the sad sounding mm-hmm. songs, whether the it's melancholy or whatever, yeah, whether yeah. it's like in the tones that mm-hmm. we're using or in the words that we're using. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just tend to write sad songs, even with, you know, we have a, maybe have a wonderful life. Like you, mm-hmm. you have like a, an amazing family and mm-hmm. like, you know, um, outside looking in like, mm-hmm. man, Sean, Sean Miller, like he's got it right now. <laughs> you know, like what sad thing does he have to sing about? But like before we were well, talking about work and like, these other stressors in our life. Yeah. I, um, that's, and that's you very, need a way to, you know, that's very nice that yeah. I've, I've, I've put up that veneer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I really do. I, I have a wonderful partner. Like, yeah. um, you know, she's my best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have great kids. I mean, they're really, really good kids. Yeah. They're very caring. They're considerate to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not to say, you know, like a year ago, it was, we didn't know if we were going to make it. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, um, which is funny because I wasn't writing anything at yeah. that time. Yeah. Um, but now uh, <laughs> the challenge is to write a happy song mm-hmm. because it's really difficult to yeah. write a happy song and not yeah. have it sound super corny. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm the same way. I've, you know, I tend to not write happy and or or love songs mm-hmm. and the ones that I have written, I cringe at them now. Even even if I think like maybe the lyrics were were clever that I liked, but mm-hmm. like just thinking about it, like I'm like, oh, like so corny, Andrew. Yeah. How dare you? Well, uh, so now for me, because I've been thinking about it a lot, yeah. especially when you said, hey, you should come on here and, and talk about songwriting. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I think now for me, the biggest thing is not sadness. It's more concern Mm -hmm. and um, not anxiety, but being a dad and a husband, there's so much responsibility involved. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I was getting that was going to be one of my like questions Mm -hmm. was, you know, how does that has like that experience affected you Um, in songwriting? So. I've only written two since we mm. uh, started this thing called Silver Shocks. Yeah. And um, the first one is about, uh, it's it's called Hold On, mm-hmm. and it's about your conscience. Yeah. And so much of your conscience is shaped 
you know, obviously by your experiences, but when you're little, mm-hmm. your parents make a lot of decisions for you sure. and, um, you inherit a belief system that mm-hmm. you may not have had a choice. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's kind of like, you know, now what are my choices as a parent mm-hmm. doing to shape my kids? Sure. Um, what, what amalgamation of Megan's experience and yeah. mine and then the, the, their parents, what are we mm-hmm. gifting to our kids yeah. or cursing them? With? Yeah. I was going to say that's, <laughs> that's such a huge, that's such a huge stressor stressor around being a parent. I, mm-hmm. I've, I've fallen into the role over the past like couple years of mm-hmm. being like a step parent. Sure. Um, and I always, I, I never thought that I would be a parent of any, any kind. And mm-hmm. a lot of it, you know, uh, I mean, there's so many different reasons why you make a decision that important in yeah. your life. But um, one of them was, you know, the anxiety and mm-hmm. um, and uh, stress about like, what might I be doing wrong? Or what might I do to like, mess up this person's life when maybe I think I'm doing something good, you know, like, you know, uh, yeah. punishing them for something that, you know, my parents might've punished me for right, them right. was normal. And, right. you know, uh, you never, you know, not to add more stress on, no, no, on no, you, there, but, you know, there's things that we, we think about when we're, when you're responsible for yeah. molding someone into like, hopefully a great person, you know, there's a, a piece of music that I wrote 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. No, well, Avery's nine. So no, maybe 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's probably, in my opinion, the best piece of music I've ever written, but mm-hmm. I never put any lyrics to it because I was intimidated yeah. by the music. Mm-hmm. And now because I have something so important to yeah. me to write yeah. about, I've, I'm, I'm working on lyrics for that piece of music. That's awesome. And it's funny, uh, something you said just a minute ago, like, am I, am I doing this? What am I doing or something? I yeah. forget how you said it, but <laughs> in the chorus of that song, I just repeat, am I doing this right? Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that boils down like the experience of, of a parental role Mm -hmm. of like one of the huge worries among other things, obviously, are are they safe? Is this world a place I want to like raise a child in? Um, Yeah. It's, this is going to be like, this is going to sound like the most emo thing ever. Let's do I, that. I feel like we're, we're finally getting into the podcast. It just started. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to have to edit out that first, uh, no. however much, but it is almost painful to love. Yeah. Something so much. Yeah. And I, I know that sounds unbelievably corny and, and no, and not emo, at all, but yeah. it's, it's not the, it's the worry. Yeah. And it's not like an excessive thing. I don't know how to articulate it, but it, I do have like this level of anxiety with like, am I a good dad? Like, am I, you know, my own belief system has, has morphed over the years into something that I can now say, this is my own. This isn't just something that was passed down to me. Now I own this thing. Yes. And I want to be able to give it to them, but so much of what I believe might be wrong yeah. You know, and, and the most that I can do is just equip them to be good to other people. Yeah. I, I think that's such a core of like, you know, what, um, what I, what I want to do and what I would hope other, other parents are doing. And actually 
a worry as like a parental figure is that other people aren't doing this for their kids mm -hmm. and their kids are maybe like, Oh, that's absolutely your kids, it's right. Absolutely. And happening. it's like, you can't, you know, you, you, you can't control your child's life, but you want to equip them to be a good person to other yeah. people. Like yeah. that is like, I feel like that is like rule number one, almost regardless mm -hmm. of what belief system you're handing off to them to mold into their own thing. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's always a great tool to hand off to your children, like your belief system of some sort of, but are they, are they going to be good to other people? I think. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting uh, to listen to them because they are, way more introspective than yeah than i give them credit for sometimes mm -hmm. um and uh you know you you will have that confirmation that you are doing good yeah um you know things go south sometimes yeah yeah, yeah. you have a hard week <laughs> yeah yeah the thing, things kind of fall apart but yeah. the the thing that is really amazing is how um resilient mm -hmm. uh because avery he's my oldest, mm -hmm. um, more than the other two has seen kind of, you know, not to get too personal, but just some blowouts between yeah. Megan and I. Yeah. And that's totally unacceptable Yeah, for us, e even, you know, mm -hmm. between Megan and I, that's not something we think is, is right. Um, but to see Avery's resilience coming out of that and, um, you know, you, you're going to get jacked. Yeah. Yeah. That's just going to happen. Yeah. And, and you have to, you have to be okay with that. And that's the hardest thing. Yeah. I mean, I think really being, being a family is one of the hardest things and most rewarding things that mm -hmm. people will ever do, whether they have kids or not, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're part of a family unit with your parents, you're part of a family unit with your, uh, romantic partner and, mm -hmm. and friends and stuff. But when you form that strong of a bond and then you have kids Mm -hmm. like whether you have kids or not, like, uh, I hope people recognize what, how heavy that is. And, and when you start thinking about things like, you know, blowouts are going to happen. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, when, when a kid sees that you, it really affects you. But one of the things that I think about those familiar relationships and those heavy topics when it relates to songwriting to yeah, kind of bring it back, yeah, no. um, I think there's this like level of maturity in humans and, and songwriters where, um, you know, when we're younger, we're writing about a romantic relationship and how it's not working it's out what they're all about, or it's a love song about how, how great they are, you <laughs> right, know? Right. And that's great. And I love those songs still. And I want to write those songs still cause I enjoy them. Yeah. But I've written a lot about my family, you know, yeah. I, like my, my parents and my brothers, my sisters and, uh, my, well, my one sister, <laughs> I only have one sister. Um, but you know, my family, we've had like great relationships and I'm so lucky to be a part of that family, mm -hmm. but we've also had like awful times, mm -hmm. you know, like any family will. Yeah. Um, and when you're able to work through those feelings through your outlet songwriting, um, I, I think that's a healthy thing and mm -hmm. it's a very mature thing to do. And mm -hmm. it's just, you know, some people aren't songwriters and they'll, they might go see a, a ther an actual therapist, not, I, I've done that. not Andrew. And, and that <laughs> is like a very like mature and healthy thing to do. You know, like, yeah. I, I think, you know, you have to do what you have to do to, to get through this life. And, you know, mm -hmm. you can stack those things up too, you know, go mm -hmm. see a therapist. Yeah. 
play guitar. Yeah. Talk to your spouse about your problems, you know, talk to your kids, but um, it's all part of the journey, you know? Yeah. In the last couple years, um, self-esteem and confidence have been the two biggest things that I've been working on. Yeah. And it's funny how that those things bled over into creative pursuits. Like, um, you know, I, I got my start at this job as a graphic designer because I was working as a comic book illustrator. Yeah. And all of that, um, that illustration work was me, you know, trying to copy somebody else because yeah. I wasn't confident in mm -hmm. my own ability. Yeah. And that will also filter into songwriting. So mm -hmm. I, I'm really thankful that Megan told me not to get rid of my stuff and that she recognized that I truly love it. Yeah. Because if if she hadn't had told me that, I don't I don't think that I would have allowed myself to accept it. Mm -hmm. Um so, you know, with this project that I've got going on, there is no uh, negativity as far as like, um, relationship, like singing about a relationship yeah, that's not working. Yeah, yeah, that exactly. just wouldn't be fair to Megan. <laughs> like, yeah, she's yeah. not going to want to listen. Yeah, to exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and it's, it's not true. Yeah. There, there's nothing yeah. true. So, so now the songs are taking on this vibe of like self-improvement. Yeah. Um, the concerns about like being a dad and, and improving fast enough to keep up with the needs of your children. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, authenticity is, is such an important part of being in a relationship yeah. period. Yeah. You know, not just a creative relationship, but you know, having a, a lifelong partner. Yeah. Um, and I have to give credit to mm -hmm. Megan. I mean, if, if I was not married to her yeah. in particular, there's no way I would have made the advancements that I've made yeah. as a person or creatively. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, that's just the truth. You yeah. Know, yeah. You have to um, be open to that. That would be, I, I think that would be my biggest piece of advice if I'm qualified to give it yeah, at all. Give it. Um, be open to that, that kind of critique or, you know, it, it can be, it can be kind of brutal. Mm hmm. But if you really want to grow as an artist, yeah, whatever the medium, mm -hmm. but specifically songwriting as it yeah. pertains to the sure. show, sure. you have to like get that trusted person. It mm -hmm. might be one or two, yeah, usually just one. <laughs> but but get that that trusted person that can just tell you like this doesn't sound like you, yeah, or this sucks, or you know you're trying too hard, or or whatever. Or it's like your accountability. Yeah. Buddy. Yeah. I don't know what to call it. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's a good word yeah. for it, but no, you should I think that's really, beautiful though. It, you will only grow. You can't do it mm -hmm. by yourself. Like you'll never reach your peak in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. I think you need somebody else to help you get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. man. That, that was wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, <laughs> I'm glad I contributed yeah. something of value. Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, before we we really like wrap up the sure. uh, this part of the podcast and and like move some microphones around to sure. to play a song. Oh no! Um, yeah, the dreaded the acoustic on performance. Yeah. So I mean, your your current project is Silver Shocks, and you like yeah. shared uh, kind of what that's about, and and uh, like thanks so much, like just for being on the podcast. Like I mentioned, thank earlier, you for having me. We've been you know we've been friends for so long. It's so great to pick up like this, and I I know you're. Uh, 
you'll probably be moving away from uh, Stockton yeah. in a bit. I don't it, wait. Was I supposed to say that on the podcast? No, that's fine. Okay. It's okay. A, it's an, an official, official announcement. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, we're moving to Austin, Texas. Yeah. So I hope. I mean, I, not I was, for my music yeah, career. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't going into <laughs> it about anything other than saying like I hope you know whether it's like. Uh, two weeks from now or three years from now, like we just get to get together and talk about this to. and like, we'll, we should do a follow-up episode, you know? Yeah, or, I would love it. You know? I would love it. Um, but uh, yeah. So um, do you want any of the listeners to find you somewhere online, um, like a social media account for Silver Shocks or just yeah. on Spotify where like plug whatever you want to plug? Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you're if you're looking for regular content, you're you're probably not going to find it from me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but uh, I would I would encourage you to uh, follow Silver Shocks on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, that's just the thing that I use the most. Not, okay. Not because there's anything yeah, special. I yeah. Just, it's yeah. very handy. Yeah. Um, you can find Silver Shocks on Spotify mm -hmm. right now and iTunes. Um, it's very uh, rock driven because that's what I like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's funny because that first single yeah. uh, is very much inspired by Are You Gonna Go My Way? Because it's a, <laughs> it's a driving riff throughout the whole mm -hmm. song. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's just a little, a little side point, but cool. uh, you can, you can find it there. Mm -hmm. um, and you can f follow my art uh sean gregory miller um on instagram as well cool yeah yeah um yeah i i just want to say about uh about the song hold on um i i feel like on this podcast so far this is the fourth episode that i've recorded mm. um and you know i'll record a lot more and i'll do this a lot i i, I don't know if this is a bad habit or not but i'm going to keep doing it because i don't know it's interesting to me. I compare people like a, a song that they wrote and I'm like, Oh, you know, this reminds me of a thing. Oh, sure. I don't know if that's annoying or not. No, to not to me. I but, like it. um, I just want to say like, hold on. I'm not going to compare it to any other artist or anything. Cause it doesn't remind me of another artist. Cause it does sound like you to me, but it has this disco punk vibe. And I don't know if you're yeah, going for that yeah. or not, but do you remember like yeah. when disco punk was going to be oh, absolutely thing? Yeah. like the uh -huh. rapture and sure. bands like that. Sure, and, sure. and I was like, you know, listening to it in the car and just rocking out. And I was like, man, this is so good. This is like, good. this is what I've always wanted in like a disco punk Sean Miller song. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of, uh, so I, I recorded all that myself. Yeah. yeah the um, bass, that bass riff, I think it's bass mm -hmm. with like some distortion that mm -hmm. like drives the song. That's so a tribute good. to my brother. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I did all that myself and I think that's probably where the songwriting journey is going to take me just mm -hmm. into, you know, learning mixing and sure. mastering and stuff. Yeah. It, it's very fascinating. There's all science behind it and everything, but yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the song that I'll play for you a little later is, is kind of a skeleton. It's, mm -hmm. it's brand new. Cool. Um, I, I don't have the lyrics memorized, yeah. so I haven't printed out here. Awesome. <laughs> no, that's all right. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be, you'll hear the acoustic side. Um, but the way I write mm -hmm. is always with a um, full band in mind. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's funny. We, we covered so much ground and we didn't talk about like your process. And that's why I said like, we should do a follow-up podcast. Uh, yeah. I, well, we I could, I could tell more. you very quickly. Yeah. Um, uh, what I'll, I'll end up doing is taking like a bar chord yeah. and just subtracting a bunch of fingers <laughs> <laughs> and, and using 
basically like two fingers because at at that point you have these um droning notes yeah yeah i know exactly, exactly yeah they're they're, they're occupying that middle space yeah and then you have movement in the top and bottom voice yeah so it it sounds like you're doing a lot more than you really are yep and when i come up with um chord progressions i tend to do that mm-hmm. a lot just because it makes me feel more secure like there's yeah. There's more people yeah, there. That's funny. Um, I, I've written quite a few songs using that same method uh-huh. musically. And um, one of those, uh, trying to remember the name of my own song, uh, I Will Take the Blame, that it's a low speedkeeper song. Um, exact same thing. Oh, it's, really? Yeah, it's like, you know, minor bar chord. Uh-huh. I think it's like an E minor, uh-huh. you know, down sure. at the seventh sure. fret. And then you just remove everything except for the two fingers. Yeah, yeah. And, it sounds cool. Yeah. it You throw a little delay and on then, there. And then Mike comes in with this, like, uh, it's like a, a minor seventh. It's like if like uh, D sharp or something. And it just like messes the whole thing up, but it yeah. makes it sound beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Cool. Um, so, yeah. So what um, what's the name of the song you're going to play? Uh, let me let me look at my notes. Well, we'll it, just I, I we'll just it's do it. Called you're all right. You're all right. I think okay. that's what I'm calling. Yeah, it that's now. what we'll yeah. listen to. I, I normally have people announce it when they play, but um, I'm gonna stop this uh this recording thing and then we'll listen to that song. Cool. All right, this is a new one and it's called You're All Right. Could never keep me from being there right by your side. And all you got to do is reach me. So won't you please just drop a line? But you stop the beat of your heart just so you could feel alive. And you stop the heat, you stop the war. You stop the clock to save some time And I think Where you been, man? I got something to say to you Yeah, you're alright You're alright There's no fear in me So why should there be some in you? Yeah, you're alright You're Say 
Get down 